Oh, are we live? We is there it goes. It's coming on. What's up, you do? It is Sunday, September 16, 2018. It's hot sauce time. It's a live show. It's been a little bit since I've done a live show, but I'm glad to be back. I promise you. I promise you I'm glad to be back. Been a little crazy, doing a little bit of traveling. Obviously, you know, we started construction up in Kentucky, so I've been driving up there a lot, and it's hard to do these things with all these crazy drive times we got going on so we all know as the people begin pouring into the chat it's that time it's roll call and i was already in the chat pre so you know there's a bunch of people in here i've already said hey to but run down the line gg turf wayne srbl jackson what's up man bird dog colonel corn lambert michael watson hour von weddle Richard Nettles. No, 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 Nettles. Sinski. Santiago Rivas. What's up, my man? Velvet Hammer. Dropping it on you. Michael Moore. She cry more, more, more. In the house. Douglas Blacksill. Matt Lane. Chad Fleming. What's going on, everybody? All right. Now, the secret. Y'all don't know this, but. If you paid attention in the show description, I've got a special guest tonight. Chris Ellis, I see you over there sneaking in what's going on. So I reached out to a professional up in the VA. I'm sorry to all the Virginia Tech graduates. The VA up in Virginia. And uh, Jimmy Cox, who is the owner of picture perfect lawn maintenance has sent probably uh one of the two most important people that work there we've got katie what's happening how's it going katie tell us a little bit about picture perfect lawn maintenance what you do there what y'all do as a company and uh where you're at and all that fun stuff like you were saying, Picture Perfect is owned by Jimmy Cox, who is a big force to be reckoned with in terms of as a personality and as a professional. He, um, he's been doing this for over 20 years, I think, which is pretty cool and not to say that he's old, but really, really formidable in terms of that. Um, he couldn't be here today with you because he wasn't feeling pretty enough, so he sent me. Um, Jimmy opened Picture Perfect, I think about 12 years ago, started out kind of focusing on the mowing side of things, which was not really what he wanted to do. He was really into the fertilizer side. So over the past 10 years, he's been developing that side more and more into something really, really up and coming, really exciting. We've got a increasing number of clients throughout the greater Richmond area. And I kind of do the sales side where I focus a lot on the marketing, the social media direction, as well as I go out and meet with potential new clients to answer the questions that they have, not just get them pricing, but also make sure that whether they choose us, they do it themselves, or they choose somebody else, they actually know what they're getting into and have a good experience and don't just kind of have the one size fits all, you're just going to get that fur and squirt, it's going to be a different thing with us. So that's kind of what we go for in terms of that. That's what I'm talking about. So anyway, uh, 
I kind of pre-gamed uh, Katie about how this goes. Obviously, none of this is scripted. I let the chat uh, dictate the course of the conversation here. So if you haven't, throw your questions in the chat. We will be keeping up with it as it goes along. Uh, looks like we got pretty good, pretty good numbers in here. And uh, I'm sure the questions will start rolling in on the chat pretty, pretty quickly. Um, and the lawn care nuts in there with his squirt and fur and spray and pray. A um, little, little background, at least about uh, Jimmy and I. Jimmy and I met the beginning of this year, and um, you know it's pretty, pretty interesting to watch even just over the last year how um, y'all's business has developed. And uh, of course, you know your your boyfriend Brandon and I are uh, good friends as well, and uh, it's been really neat to watch y'all grow. Um, so I'm going to hop over here to the chat real quick. I like this, uh, mycorrhizae fungi as a lawn supplement. Is that something y'all use Katie? Do you, do you dabble in some mycorrhizae? That's something that we're exploring. Um, we're yep. one of the big things that Jimmy and Brandon are working really hard in with that program. And as you know, cause it's something that they've been talking to you a lot about is what's up and coming on the market, what the national community has been seeing success with, as well as the Virginia community, what's going to be not just revolutionary in terms of, you know, what's working in New Jersey versus Tennessee, but what's going to actually work in Virginia because it's a transition zone state. So we kind of have a hard time finding that comfort zone between something that's going to really stimulate that grass versus something that's going to build something hospitable in the soil. So all of those products like the one that you mentioned are things that they're working to be really on top of and find out both from other people's experience and theirs what's working and be able to kind of network that and find that good fit for our zone as well as anybody else's. Yeah, and a little bit I guess about my experiment with mycorrhizae experience with mycorrhizae is um, I've used it a lot in tree shrub type applications and with, with seemingly good success. I have not tried it primarily as a lawn supplement. It's something I like to do. I do know a little bit of the science behind it and the science says that it's going to be hard for that mycorrhizae to be delivered into the root zone as intended where it's, it's actually going to do something. And where it gets hold, held up on the soil surface will make it difficult uh, as far as uh, being able to exist and live there. Um, a lot of times what happens is you apply the mycorrhizae, it'll die before it makes it to the root system. So there's going to have to be some sort of improvement in delivery there in order for it to become a true, quote unquote, successful lawn supplement. So kind of where I stand on that. I think there's more exploration that needs to go on there. Um, it's not quite there yet, but we're getting there. Uh, Bird Dog, will Carbon X be available for the DIY? Uh, yes, eventually. Um, it's going to be a little bit of a process, though. We got to immediately start filling orders for the Pro Gas first. And, um, and we also got to do some work on the back end to be able to package it for DIY because we want to do smaller package sizes. 50 pound bags isn't always what people need. So, um, it will be, yes, just not immediately right out of the bat. Someone get Pete Denny a boat. He's floating away in there. Get him a canoe, something. Chris Voigt, pro move to add surfactant to T-necks are not necessary. Uh, not necessary. The the formulation in and of itself will help it penetrate. Uh, you can add it to it. Is it necessarily a pro move? Eh, I don't know. 
Roy Hall never had good luck with uh, PGR and fescue. At time of overseeding, I think that would be a good time to give it a try. Uh, I'd be interested in hearing the effects of high phosphorus levels. High levels tie up other nutrient availability. GG Turf, yes, it absolutely can. And the reason why is that phosphorus is very reactive in the sense that um, you know, you were talking a little bit earlier about CECs uh, or uh, hydrogen ions in the soil. Um, those those bond really easily to phosphorus and will oftentimes tie phosphorus up in a in an unusable form. Um, and phosphorus as a nutrient is a little bit difficult to begin with because it doesn't move through the soil very well. You'll lose a lot of it to runoff and um, it's, a, it, it's just one of those things that can be incredibly difficult. You know, a lot of times it needs to be dissed in or applied at the exact same time of seeding and just, you know, a, account for the fact that you're going to have a certain amount of loss. Then there's some communities like Katie up in Virginia. Aren't y'all limited in the amount of phosphorus that you can apply? We are. There's a legal limit set by the state because we're near that watershed point from the Chesapeake Bay. There's a very strong concern and a fair one that phosphorus increases the amount of algae that are in the public waterways and as a result creates a higher risk of things like red tide and algae growth that have a direct impact on a very sensitive ecosystem. So a big part of what we as a company try to do is not just work with or work around state regulations that have a good ecological point, but also find ways to improve upon that by reducing our phosphorus impact in terms of that and find other ways to make it more effective in terms of that lower level of phosphorus that we're putting down. So we're looking at the different products that are on the market that are going to help the plant absorb the phosphorus in the same way, as well as creating healthy bile under the soil so that it's more effective as a whole and not as impactful on that ecosystem. You know, phosphorus is one of those things that I can say that in a lab setting, um, it hasn't been the big aha factor. Uh, in an agricultural setting, you know, where you're trying to establish, you know, hundreds of acres of corn at a time, thousands of acres of corn at a time. And, you know, corn is going to be very aggressive. It's a C4 plant. Um, and that's a lot of plant material it has to put off really quickly. So anything you can do to give that seed a jump start on the get go uh, to increase that cell division is going to help you out. Um, however, in the turf grass world where you're oftentimes not doing complete and total renovations. If you are doing a complete and total renovation, that's when I look at, at supplementing with phosphorus. <laughs> if you're not doing that, then I usually kind of leave it to the wayside because usually through the production of organic matter, just through the natural development of roots, dying and uh, regenerating, a lot of times that's gonna supply all the phosphorus you really need. It just gets recycled and recycled and recycled. So, eh, kind of my thoughts on it. Not as important as it's made out to be. Uh, is dried molasses as good as liquid for dethatching? Lambert, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I would say probably because you have to put it back into solution before you apply it. And you know, molasses is a sugar, and sugar is you know the one is one of the components to dethatching. And uh, you know, again, it's not molasses alone. Usually, it's the combination of a little bit of nitrogen. Um, a little bit of molasses and a little bit of yeast. That combination is, you know, more for a quote-unquote dethatching. Best weed killed for turf-type tall fescue when overseeding Michael Wassenauer. What kind of weeds are you going for? If you're going after broadleaf weeds, I'd probably say quinclorac and 
Um, what is it? Um, Quicksilver, Parfentra Zone. If you are going for grassy weeds, I would say Pilex. Pilex is my, my deal. Can I taint mix tenacity with ethyfumisate when overseeding turf type tall fescue? I do not think so forever. I don't know enough about ethyfumisate, but I know it can be used as a precursor. So I would not use ethyfumisate in conjunction with tenacity when overseeding turf type tall fescue. Uh, I think ethyfumisate will inhibit the germination of turf type tall fescue. How about, how about that? I'm in Piedmont. Piedmont. I've waited out many hurricanes in the past, and I did so again this week. Is it too late to prep for overseeding? No, definitely not. Um, in fact, I'd say you're right about prime. Right about prime. Let's see. Pennington Water Star Seed is inoculated with mycorrhizae. Uh, Paul Beal, that I like that that it's actually inoculated with mycorrhizae. I think I think that's a, a good way to do that because immediately as those roots push out of the seed. It's uh, going to come in contact with that mycorrhizae, and it is going to be doing its thing. There you go. There you go. Uh, Katie getting some love in the chat. Michael Weissenauer said Virginia in the house. Hi. What's up? Um, where are we going here? PGR and N, butting heads. Uh, Connor, it's kind of an interesting point there. No, not necessarily. So, um, you know, N is going to play a role in chlorophyll production. Um, and it's also going to play a role in cell division. Um, so just because you're using N and applying a PGR doesn't mean they're necessarily going to counteract one another. It's just the N is going to be utilized the effect of using the N is going to be seen a little bit differently. Um, PGR is going to suspend gibberellic acid. So the N, the way it's utilized, is going to be functioning the same way in the plant without that presence of gibberellic acid. So gibberellic acid is what's going to make it grow up, reach, you apply N. Um, it's not going to be moving up and reaching, but you get all those same effects. So typically you'll get an increased spread rate and you'll get a darker color through the increase in chlorophyll production. Hope that helps. Um, let's see here, 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 here. Are we going to big box with carbon X? Kurt Kill, I don't know, probably not, but I can't write it off right now. I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. Um, let's see, my home in Jacksonville, North Carolina actually didn't take much damage, surprisingly. Ooh, that's good. That is good. Uh, hey, what's up? Heading out, Germany. Um, a question is here in Knoxville. Kevin, yeah, man, I have been crazy busy. I've been on the road the entire time. Um, October is not too late to start a renovation, especially in our area. You'll definitely be good to go on that. Uh, I need 50 pound bags because I throw it down. <laughs> Michael Tuma, what's up, man? I ain't getting any love with a real mess. Uh, we have P limits in New York as well. Yes, that is true. Before to using carbon X, hopefully it's not too expensive. Yeah, that's right, Eric. I hope not either. <laughs> How much crabgrass preventative can you put down for the year? Can you apply too much? Really going to need to throw her down due to my neighbor's yard. Anthony McAdow. Um, Katie, off the top of your head, do you know what rate of prodiamine y'all put down? I don't off the top of my head. I can I'm going to the other room and try to find out. Generally, go beat it out of Brandon. 
Exactly. Um, make him do some sort of work tonight. <laughs> In terms of the amount of prodiamine that's being put down or any other kind of crowd grasping control, anything like that, we do kind of a customized program for all of our clients depending on what they actually need. So we're not going to just blanket spray everybody the same rate if they're not going to need, especially during the summer, that full treatment for any of those things. So it's, I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all answer. I think if you're getting crabgrass coming in from your neighbor's yard, maybe you need to work really hard on getting your neighbor to sign up for some kind of program so that it's not going to be as much of a germination issue. <laughs> that's usually my suggestion. That's not just from a sales perspective, but that's just a practicality perspective. You can pound and pound and pound with as much weed control as you want. It's not like it's going to completely eradicate it unless you create a dome over your yard. So... Yeah, there might be a certain amount of weed control for crabgrass especially that's going to really, really hammer it and make it a non-issue for you. At that point, I feel like you risk possibly disturbing some other horses that might be in your yard. It may just be kind of better for your wallet as well as for your yard to try to convert your neighbor over to something more, I guess, attractive for their yard as well. Um, you know, and kind of my my take on that, I, I love the, the sales spend you put on that with the... Uh... Uh, I tell you, the best approach is to sign your neighbor up. <laughs> I'd try with that. That's what they pay you for. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. It is. Um, but from a, a, a crabgrass preventative, uh, can you apply too much? Yes, absolutely. Um, that that goes with anything. Um, always stay within the label limits. Always. It's going to do. There's a reason why there is a label, and that is usually the max allowable um product to be applied over a given area and not cause damage so if you exceed the label typically the first result you run into is damage so don't get crazy with it apply your label rates um if you're concerned about it you can go up to max but typically if you're using something like prodiamine you can stay at half and still get the length of residual that you need so for instance, I apply at 1.25 pounds of active ingredient per thousand square, square uh, I'm sorry, per acre. Um, at 1.25, that's less than I think the max allowable amount of 2.25. And I don't have issues usually unless I'm dealing with resistance or something of the sort. Anthony, the other thing too you have to pay attention to is the difference between a perennial and an annual. Preventative, uh, preventative products like a pre-emergent are designed to work on annuals. They're not going to help you in perennials because the plant is already alive. They're functioning. It just goes dormant during its respective time of the year. Uh, bird dog has fungus that looks like thick yellow vomit in his mulch beds. This is <laughs> vomit fungus. Ew. I know you have eagle in your shed, but it is not going to help you probably to apply eagle to the dog vomit fungus. Um, you really just need to let it run its course. If you're, if you're seeing it, it's probably because you have the three adequate conditions for it, and that's going to be light, moisture, and air. Um, and so, unfortunately, you have to eliminate one of those. One of the things you can do is dial down the amount of water that's in your beds, assuming you have a little bit of control over the irrigation. There you go. Uh, where at UT can I take your soil for testing? Um, I don't know. I don't send my soil test to UT. Um, I send mine to like Waypoint Analytics or Midwest Labs. Um, and the reason being is typically turnaround time on UT is pretty slow. Um, but you would do that through the
the uh, extension. So it would be through the UT extension. Um, let's see here. It seems the high level shown on my soil tests have somewhat inhibited the response to my FERD apps. Uh, I would say so, GGTurf. So um, as far as nitrogen and overall green up and growth, mm, that, okay, so if your pH is off, your FOS is going to tie things up more more so, it can also tie up iron in the soil pretty aggressively. It's going to react with iron pretty quickly. Um, so I don't think it's going to have as much of an effect on your nitrogen. Um, what is the turf type you're dealing with, one? And, uh, and two, how high are your uh, phosphorus levels? Hey, guys, need to kill a few patches of bahia grass. If I use MSM turf, can I overseed or do I need to wait a while? Billy G, it will have a reseed interval on that label. I don't know what it is, but if I had to guess, it's going to be around 30 days. Oh, and the chat skipped down. My goodness. Okay, we're back. We're back. Lorganite has too much phosphorus. Yes, that's exactly I believe that same thing. Um, let's see. Hope you aren't getting too much flooding. Oh, yeah, yeah. Applied at Celebrin two days ago to combat army worms. Would it be a good idea to throw down some fast release burt to help recovery? Yes, Colonel Corn. Absolutely. Please throw down some burt. Get that to green up. Uh, my neighbors talk trash about our sand soil, but I believe it has some pros along with the cons. What do you think, Matt? Um, yeah, so sandy soil is one of those things. Do y'all deal with sandy soil at all, Katie? Oh my God, yes. If it's not sandy, it's clay. That's the kind of situation that we've got here. There's rarely, especially since 90% of our clients are new builds, so that natural topsoil has been completely stripped by the builder before they just dump sod on top of it. Almost always we're just seeing a amalgamation of rock, sand, and clay. And while there are maybe some good aspects to sand, generally it's, it's not going to grow the healthiest grass. Yeah, so the, the issue with sand is that sand has, uh, you know, we've been talking about ions and cation exchange capacity. Cation exchange capacity is the number of bonding sites in the soil to be able to retain elements or, or elemental ions. So you think about nitrogen. Nitrogen is an element. And when it's in its ionic form, um, it's going to bond to something because it has a charge. Sand does not have a charge to be able to bond to something and hold it into the soil. So water perks through it, nitrogen perks through it, um, phosphorus doesn't work through it real well. Uh, potassium works through it just extremely fast and it doesn't hold on to it well at all. There are some pros to sand because sand does not offer a lot of uh, resistance in terms of root development. So there, there are pros. Sand can also be used to level things um, as, as, of course, a, a top dressing. Um, if you need complete and total control over your inputs, you can spoon feed with each element that you need to apply in that sense. And sand gives you that flexibility because there's nothing that really gets just stored up in the sand. So you can have more control over your fertility program. Um, so it, it's, 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 it's one of those things, you know, sand can be good if, you know, if, if you have the ability to spray every two weeks on a property, sand's great and can make you a lot of money. Um, if you don't have the ability to treat every two weeks, you're always going to be in a little bit of a disadvantage working with sand. 
that's a really long answer to that question. Sorry, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, the end calls Bermuda to run more rather than grow up with the PGR applied. Clemson football, yes, that's exactly what I was trying to say, is that with PGR and N, it will cause Bermuda to run. Uh, aeration and oversee, how many pounds per thousand? KBG, um, not a lot. Uh, Chris Elms there, there you go, two to three. I was looking for Chris Elms. We're talking about Kentucky bluegrass. Does John Ware like army worm discussion? Uh, Connor, it only, John Ware loves the army worm discussion only and only if pain corsos are in the mix. Uh, Got to try for kick for mycorrhizae cheap, so worth a shot. Bio, SI, lawn, and garden select. Organic seed and soil inoculant. There you go. Uh, <laughs> my kid's more into this live chat than he is into Lilo and Stitch. That is awesome. Cow, cow, Ben, y'all. about that? I do five ounces per 10K. All right, I need to do a soil test. I was going to use Waypoint. Best time to get soil sample when soil is moist. Uh, yeah, John, absolutely. And I think that's going to give you a, uh, it, you know, really you could do it at any time. When it's moist, it just makes it easier to handle. So, eh, you know, there you go. What rate should I tank mix Celsius and certainty? Trying to target and spot spray sedge, buttonweed, and some change better. Katie, this is one of those uh, herbicide conversations here that's all about uh, warm season herbicides. Do you any warm season grass up there? We don't personally. I think out of several hundred clients, we've got maybe two that have warm season turf. It's because we're in that transition zone in Virginia, it's either have a cool season grass, predominantly fescue, that's going to brown out a little bit during the summer for maybe two months of the year, versus have a warm season grass like Bermuda or Zoysia that's going to brown out here from about October through April. So the vast majority of people choose the former because the latter is going to be dead looking for half the year. So we don't really see much warm season grass. Um, the program that we have is successful with it just because it's focusing more on the soil than anything else. But we're not really, I guess, um, professional in terms of that warm season take just yet. Um, there, warm season is much easier than cool season grass. And your dad and I have fought, uh, not your dad, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I have fought uh, obsessively about this. Um, as far as your tank mix rate, Lambert, this is what I would do. I would run the high rate of Celsius and I think it's a one ounce rate of certainty, maybe a two ounce rate of certainty. I can't remember off my head, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't mess around with it. I go ahead, run your high rates, tank spray it, be done with it. Um, they both work really well. They're going to have good effects. They're both, uh, a combination, uh, well, certainly it's just a sulfonylurea. Celsius is a mix of sulfonylurea with synthetic auxin. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a good, healthy one-two punch there for what you're going after. Mix some Epsom salt with my overseeding FERC treatment today. Soil tests show low magnesium levels. Any experience with results on this? Yeah, Matt. Um, so when I lived in Augusta, that was one of the things that we loved to run on zoysia grass. Um, zoysia grass responded really well to magnesium sulfate, and it wasn't so much just the magnesium, it was also the sulfate portion of your Epsom salt. Um, so yes, that is a, a very, very good thing to put into your mix. Um, 
Let's see here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We jumped again. We jumped again. Uh, all right. Isn't Connor Ward the guy that turned his yard into concrete? <laughs> oh, man, this is funny. GG Turf, all right, you're working with turf-type tall fescue. <laughs> if you're struggling with green up in turf-type tall fescue, it's probably something else. What time of the year are you struggling with your green up? Because what I'm wondering is if you're seeing a, the issue that occurs with the seasonal changes. So you're not going to get a big color or fertilizer response from your turf-type tall fescue as you move into June. And then also... Um, probably through, you know, July into August. And then at some point towards the end of August into September, I start to get a color response from fescue again. But you hit this dead period through the summer there where you can't really do anything with it uh, in terms of color response. So I, I wonder if that's it. But, you know, based on 5.8 pH and you got a CEC of like 15 or something or what, I can't remember what it was, uh, it's, it's not likely... Probably not a seed issue. It sounds more like a cultivar issue. Uh, been battling not nimble will and turf type tall fescue in the St. Louis area all season. What's we'll the ideal mix of herbicide and adjuvant? Uh, Drew Thomas, man, it's a really broad question. Your turf type tall fescue, I would probably recommend Pilex or maybe a combination of Pilex and Tenacity. Um, and the ideal mix, um, I don't know, maybe like five ounces uh, to the acre of Tenacity and one ounce to the acre of Pilex, maybe an ounce and a half to the acre of Pilex. And as far as an adjuvant, I would do 1% by volume of an NIS. Matt, would you comment more on glyphosate, your personal opinion? Oh, boy. I will get there. R remind me a little bit later about that, Eric Von Weddle. I will. I'll, I'll jump into that. Um, Poa constrictor, that is ethafumisate. That's the same herbicide. Um, I, I, I think it's good. I haven't used a lot of it to be able to say one way or another exactly how I feel about it. On annual bluegrass, so Poa annua, it does okay with multiple applications, but sometimes that third application then drives into your fourth application. I've not used it as a pre-emergent, have not used it for post-emergent crabgrass control, so can't answer on that. Uh, <laughs> it is only, let's see. Hello, hello, hey, Philippine Scenes. What's up, man? How are you? How do you increase CEC in sand? Yes, uh, exactly like you stated. Uh, humic 12, organic matter like Milo, et cetera. Um, anything you can do with your root system to help develop it uh, and start that root cycling effect to begin that's going to generate you know, OEM and, you know, give some um, some substance to your sand. Uh, but that's really the only options you have there. Is Matt just talking to Conrad? Sand turns the lawn into concrete. Any opinion using sand for leveling with clay soil? So what option is the next best thing? Um, for leveling here in Knoxville, Kevin, uh, sand is probably one of your better bets. If you, uh, yes, you can level your lawn with sand. Uh, I think I think that would be fine. Uh, Katie, we got a question here. Okay. How does picture perfect lawn maintenance differ from a squirt and fur business? 
We differ because we're actually paying attention to the individual yard. Instead of just a kind of old school, one size fits all, pound it with nitrogen, make it grow, make it green, being 99% synthetic, if not completely, we're actually doing an annual soil sample. And I know a lot of people say that the annual soil testing isn't necessarily necessary just because you're kind of not seeing much progress or anything like that, but we do it as a primary just because it gives the client information about their yard as well as it gives us information. So we take that knowledge that we get from the soil sample from what we're actively seeing on their property, what they've communicated to us as past problems, and we're building a program that's going to work for their yard as opposed to just a blanket for the entire area. So we're doing things like extra lime applications, as needed spot weed control, things like that that are going to actually give individual results. And on top of that, we're doing an organic hybrid program that's going to be more self-sustaining. So we're going with that national trend toward the micronutrients that are necessary and focusing on humicophobic acid and that organic material that's building a healthy root structure, that good bacteria. And instead of just kind of throwing chemicals at it and saying, go, we're saying, okay, let's focus on what's important and building a program that's going to make the grass actually kind of trend level instead of having those ups and downs per application. Yeah, you know, and that's that's one of the things I love about what Jimmy's doing with PPLM is that you know he's got he's got this vision of of you know not just grass, but you know let's start with a with a good solid foundation. Let's start at the soil and then work our way to the top. And uh, I think that's you know that that is going to be the future of our industry uh, if we're going to continue to be stewards of the environment and if we're going to be able to push. Our businesses and the longevity of this industry, we're going to have to take a soil first approach. Otherwise, um, you know, we're going to be we're going to be shopped out of business pretty quickly. Um, real quick, a little bit of housekeeping in that same vein. Uh, I've got a link in the show description right here, a little bit down below. Hit show more. You should see a link for Picture Perfect Lawn maintenance their website and go check them out learn a little bit more about what they do they also have a youtube channel you can search picture perfect lawn maintenance up in the search bar subscribe to their youtube channel it's all good stuff uh i like what they've been doing i've been talking to jimmy a little bit and they're um you know they're using uh youtube to communicate with their customers and that's always uh it's, it's a neat thing it's something i started playing with last year and um i always get good feedback from for the other pros that are in here watching um also united hashtag united we mow i feel so goofy doing that but everybody needs to check this out what is going on with united we mow is just it is such an unbelievable story what rodney smith is doing for the community what rodney smith is doing for the industry whether he intends it or not is completely awesome absolutely awesome we need more people like this not just in the industry not just in the lawn care community we need them in the world rodney smith is an amazing story please go check out the video over on the lawn guardians youtube channel the lawn guardian he's here in the chat what's up ben and learn a little bit more about rodney what he's doing with the program buy a shirt if you can it all goes to benefit him. Donate money. I got a shirt, so I went ahead. I threw some cash at him, and you know, let him continue his message forward and onward. Thank you, John Ware, for bringing that up. 
Also, if you'd like to learn a little bit about what I'm going through right now as far as the side project, the side project right now to the Grass Factor is the new business I've started called Carbon Earth Company, where we are a startup fertilizer manufacturer. We are literally starting from ground zero, building out a manufacturing plant to produce our own fertilizer. Our first fertilizer line is going to be called Carbon X. Carbon X uses biochar as a nitrogen release source, but we're not just using nitrogen. We're using ammoniacal nitrogen that's been reacted with ferrous sulfate, potassium sulfate, and a host of organic binders and micronutrients to give us a total package. But it doesn't stop there. We wanted to take it to the and that next step we wanted to take it to was infusing it with next RGS. And that is what it gives us our enhanced efficiency approach towards fertilizer. Check it out. CarbonEarth.co. CarbonEarth.co. All right. That's my plugs. Let's get back on here. Let's get back on here. Uh, all right. All right. Let me hop over here. Rachel, what are you doing? Stop it, sir. We don't need that. Take that $5 and donate that to the Rodney Smith Jr. campaign. Um, hey, Larry, you like that clock? My wife did that for my son. My son for there for a little bit was uh, uh, super uh, in the clocks. I, I, I don't know. Uh, is it safe to use Trichopyr Ester with Roundup? Not a chem major, just a DIYer. Uh, yes, you can. Just be careful of your high temperatures for the day uh, because uh, Trichopyr is an ester and it can volatilize pretty quickly. I put down about 10 pounds per K of elemental sulfur lower pH. This was three weeks ago. It is not dissolved at all. Any experience with elemental sulfur? No, Douglas, because I typically deal with low pH here in the South and um, yeah, you know, south of south of Kentucky is, is typically low pH. Now, if you're having trouble with your elemental sulfur dissolving, that doesn't surprise me for one. Uh, typically, that has to be incorporated into the ground in order to have uh, more of an effect. Um, so probably what I would recommend you use is something like ammonium sulfate. Or if you're up to a bit of a chemistry experiment, you can use something like citric acid diluted in water get a really low pH solution that way, apply it with a high volume of water carrier. And now again, it's not going to be a long lasting effect just like elemental sulfur would be. So it would be something you would have to apply maybe once a year, maybe a couple times a year. Uh, but again, the trick there is that you get down the right rate with a high volume of water, that's citric acid. Uh, what's good to kill worms? Ivan, I assume you're talking about something like army worms. Uh, bifenthrin, lambda, cyhalothrin uh, will work. Um, all, all of those would be fine. Scarified football. Uh, oh, sacrifice football today to get nine renovations done. Whoa! Hot! 90! Yee! Katie, how far are y'all into your aeration and overseed season right now? We are technically... A couple of weeks in but really we're only about a weekend because we actually took the last week off due to the hurricane florence 
forecast that we were getting at the beginning of the week. So as of a week ago, they were calling for 20 inches of rain. And normally we tell our clients, you know, 99% of the time your seed isn't going to wash away because that grass holds it in and everything else. But this was kind of that 1% of the time when they call for 20 inches, your risk of seed flooding away is pretty high. So we didn't want to compromise the quality of anybody's results by risking the seed not germinating to the point of that heavy rain. So we kind of waited and then the forecast got lower and lower. So we're about a week behind on where we normally would be. That's not necessarily a bad thing just because it stayed so warm in Virginia to this point. We've still had temperatures in the mid 80s, which aren't necessarily conducive to successful germination. So we're going to be right back at it this week as soon as that rain stops, which is awesome because we got maybe four or five inches in our area. So that soil is going to be really, really well saturated. So that aeration is going to be easy. That seed is going to germinate really successfully. So we're really excited to really kickstart at this point. But we generally try to go through about mid-October. That's usually our stop date. We don't really follow the calendar anymore since the climate's changing. We're trying to follow the weather more than the calendar so that we're able to actually get those good results that are year-to-year -year specific instead of, again, following just some sort of pattern that may or may not be successful that year. Yeah, and I think, you know, there was a couple of strong points you put in there so for people that are concerned that they're not getting their renovations done yet um there's still plenty of time to still get your renovations done uh and then also the second part of that is don't follow the calendar you've got to follow your uh your your current conditions you've got to pay attention to weather patterns and look at your extended forecast and try and make the best educated uh, guesses possible because no, we're not weathermen. You know, um, you know, I, you know Paul made a comment that he's uh, a little bit better at growing grass than he is uh, a, a meteorologist. And it's unfortunately one of those things that we have to have a good grip on because weather dominates and determines everything, absolutely everything. So you've got to pay attention. And, um, and you know, there's still lot, lots of time left. Uh, RBL Jackson, how can I combat yards covered up? Mox Salas. Oxalis, Oxalis, yellow wood sorrel. Um, okay, so you're dealing with it in St. Augustine. Is Oxalis an annual or perennial? I'm going to say it's a perennial. Mm, yeah, it looks like they are perennials. Okay. So no, your preem unfortunately will not help you in that sense. But what can is you know you can go out with a product like um, Speed Zone Southern. Speed Zone Southern is a reduced rate of two four D in three way um, with a Carfentrazone Kicker uh, that should have a decent effect on Oxalis. In St. Augustine, you can also use a mix of uh, dicamba and I believe MCPA. Uh, so that would be like Banville and MCPA. Actually, I think Banville lost its residential label. Um, can't remember what the other name of it is. Uh, but if you Google Banville, you should find the other one that has the residential label. Um, the other thing you can do is you can get a little tricky with your uh, Celsius, so you could do like a Celsius sulfentrazone combination. That should give you good burn down. Um, so 
For post-M, you know, uh, MSM is another one, methylfuron methyl. Um, you can also add in a little bit of dicamba with your MSM. You could also add in a little bit of speed zone southern with your MSM to speed up that burn down, or you could just add carfentrazone to your MSM to give it that burn down. So speed zone southern, methylfuron methyl, uh, banvol, MCPA, Celsius, sulfentrazone, carfentrazone. Um, somewhere in that family, you can definitely get good control of it. Uh, Larry Nelson got some thin areas of centipede. What can you do to make it grow as much as you can before fall? Okay, so if you've already reached your nitrogen limits, um, then what I would do is I would back, I'd back way down on your nitrogen. So maybe apply like a 16th of a pound at a time and begin spoon feeding it with a biostimulant. So you can use something like the RGS in combination with a 16th of a pound of N. Um, like there's another product like, uh, who is the one from Helena Chemical that I was using? It's the ENC. It's like a, uh, a 1586 or something like that. And, you know, it's like eight ounces per gallon or something. And that is going to give you like a 16th of a pound of N. Spoon feed, spoon feed spoon feed and use the biostimulant there's a biostimulant portion to the enc um you know or you know you can roll your own in that regard so um you know maximize that bang for your buck with each point of in you apply uh is it safe to treat clover and weeds and zoysia grass yes absolutely it's safe to treat zoysia grass you know it hashtag get your dirt right that's right pete denny Jake the Love Kid, what's up, good sir? How are you? Uh, look at that. I messed that up. Oxalis. Ray is in the house. What's up, Ray? Uh, let me get caught up on here. Gypsum for pea spots. Uh, no. So dark pea spots, the reason why they happen is that there's a concentration of salts, whether it's you know urea salts or whatever, that concentration for sodium, if if builds up on the actual leaf surface now if it's years and years and years and years and years and years of dog pee and you can't get anything to grow there anymore typically those salts have accumulated in the soil then you can use gypsum to flush them through the soil and then get your grass established and then make sure the dog has a pee on it but for the most part dilution is the solution to the pollution and in this sense the pollution would be the dog pee so get a mower wash it down keep it going Centipede grass seed takes forever to establish. Much much easier to sod. There you go. Uh, tonight is like who to? <laughs> uh, 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 let's see here. Uh, what kind of results should I expect? We'll clear a 33, 36. In curative levels for necrotic ring spot. Should it stop spreading with the grass? Take it over. I have bluegrass. Triple eight huskers. Man, I don't know. I don't have a lot of experience with uh, with clearies, and I don't have a lot of experience with necrotic ring spot. So. That's kind of a, a Western half of the United States thing, and I just I don't typically have to deal with it. Um, if I had to guess, you might see some recovery out of it. It should stop spreading. The grass should take back over. Um, I would also take an, a biostimulant approach to that um, because there's been a little bit of research that's begun from Virginia Tech regarding necrotic ring spot. And I actually think out of the University of Nebraska too is working on necrotic ring spot and biostimulants and having some level of success there too. 
Well, the new formulation of seven lawn granules, Bifen and Zeta Cypermethrin Hill Grubs. Um, if it's on a granule and it gets watered in at the appropriate amount, yes, it should knock it out. Zeta Cypermethrin. Um, yeah, I think that's going to have the ability to move through the soil a little bit better than the Bifen will. And so using that as a carrier may help. Um, I think so. I think so. I, I wouldn't have any issues using that. No MCPA in St. Augustine. Do you hear that, RBL Jackson? No MCPA in St. Augustine. MSM and Carpentrazone. Let's see. What should I rotate with propiconazole to treat dollar spot in Bermuda? <clears throat> Man, you don't have a whole lot of choices there. There is a good dollar spot write up on the NC State website. Uh, so if you hop over to the Google, type in NC State space dollar spot, you should come up with that article. Um, Cleary's may be something that you want to rotate in there with your propiconazole for dollar spot. North Texas Bermuda, what is the time frame for fall pre-emergence? Now! Get them down now! Uh, Chris's oxystrobin does not work well on dollar spot. Uh, are amino acids the next revolution in lawn care? No. Uh, Katie, have y'all played with amino acids at all that you know of? We're kind of trying to see what the national trend ends up being with the amino acids. We've heard mixed opinions. We're not really playing with them ourselves right now just because we're still dallying in all of the micronutrients and everything else that has a lot more testing under its belt to support how its success and everything else. Amino acids are definitely something that we're educating ourselves on, but it's not really in our wheelhouse at this point just because it's still kind of rocky as to its success. Um, I will say that I do not care for amino acids. And I, it's not that, okay, so there are select amino acids that play function in plant physiology. Um, applying them is, what you'll notice that by applying them is amino acids are structured to work very similarly to humic acids. So they're rated based on particle size. And as they move into the plant, they're, they're going to, you know, folic acid and amino acids are going to um, work almost similarly within the, in the plant. They're going to work as a chelator and drag things in. Um, there is debatable research over the different effects amino acids have in plants. So, for instance, tryptophan has been found at certain levels to cause certain increases in plant function, but there's also a diminishing point of return where, you know, something like tryptophan, if it exceeds a certain point, all of a sudden you'll have a decrease in plant function. So I, I'm with you. I don't think there's enough research there to know because it's not exactly known which amino acids are playing which roles in the plant completely. So it's really hard to say at this point. Now, if amino acids are something you're looking to apply, there are tons of products on the market that contain amino acids where you're not buying just the amino acid. Buying just the amino acid is extremely um, expensive. So I look at the product line that is coming from uh, Armor Tech, I think is, is the brand. And, you know, they have like amino acid complexes in it. And 
doesn't really tell you a whole lot as far as what's in it, but they do say that amino acids are kind of the fueling fire behind the success of their product. Does it work as advertised? I don't know. Um, if I had to guess, I'm going to say yes and no. And my big fear is that we're going to run into another issue that happened much like Hoganics. So, you know, when Hoganics came about, it was very much, you know, you, you apply the right bacteria, the bacteria takes care of the rest. And what ended up happening is that um, you hit the diminishing point of return on that and it became overpopulated with bacteria. It overconsumed what was in the soil and it led to a depleted soil. Not necessarily the same function from amino acids, but you force the amino acids into the plant. They play a specific role in the plant. The ones that are used can often say it's there in too high of a quantity. It leads to phytotoxic effects. And then we're, you know, pointing the finger at each other as far as what actually occurred. You know, do you apply more amino acids to combat it? How does it all work out? If you want to apply amino acids, apply something with organic matter in it. You can put down your biosolids or chicken litter. That's going to have, you know, plenty of amino acids in it for what the plant function uh, is calling for. So don't go waste your money and go buy amino acids. Uh, apply chicken manure. Chicken manure is full of amino acids. Apply kelp. Kelp is going to have amino acids in it. Don't limit yourself to just a portion of it because that's what the marketing says. Apply the whole thing. I'm off my soapbox there. There we go. Uh, DS Cleary's 3336, Velista Lexicon Exteris. There you go for your dollar spot. Man, the chronic ring spot is a beast that is hard to tame. Yes, yes, it is. Why am I hearing that we should not use NIS with tenacity during overseed or reno? Would like to understand this statement. Uh, Chad, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not hearing that. So, um, I don't know what the purpose of that is other than maybe it would move through the soil too quickly. I'm just guessing. I, I honestly don't know. Um, let's see. Let's see. Rammer, what are you doing? Sorry. I use aerate on seven lawns instead of core aeration. Yeah. Report back on how that works. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. All right, I think that is going to bring it to an end. Katie, thank you for hopping on here tonight. I sure do appreciate it. Do you have any closing words? All I gotta say is Picture Perfect Lawn Maintenance is starting to really, really develop our YouTube channel. So I appreciate being on here with the infamous Matt Martin. I appreciate everybody logging in to watch him spiel and watch me chime in. If you wanna follow our YouTube channel, again, it's Picture Perfect Lawn Maintenance. We're located out of Virginia, but we're making a lot of really awesome content to really educate not only our clients, but everybody who's interested as a whole on kind of what's going on in lawn care in Virginia in the country and just kind of going from there. So I really appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. So do me a favor, look down there in the show description, click their link, go to their website, check out their YouTube channel, hit the subscribe, show show, show Katie some love and, and hit that subscribe button. Click the like button and the bells and the whistles and all that fun stuff. And uh, they do, they've got a lot of, a lot of cool stuff uh, that's going on over there. Also, hashtag, United we mow. Do it. 
Check it out. Sign up, make a donation, buy a shirt, something, show Rodney some love. He deserves it. He really does. He really deserves it. I say it plainly, but he really does. He's doing an amazing thing uh, for many, many, many young men out there, and uh, we should be extremely supportive of it. All right, everyone, that's going to wrap it up for the show tonight. Katie, thank you for tuning in. It's been real. It's been awesome. Uh, hashtag United We Mow. Check out the Carbon Earth YouTube channel. Hop over and over to carbonearth.co. Fill out the contact form. Sign up for the newsletter. We got all kinds of stuff coming out. All right, everybody, y'all take it easy. Have a good night.